0: Well, hello, y'all. This is Bronwyn Randall. You're listening to The Forsaken Gospel. Today is episode number 10. And uh, I'm naming this episode, No More Pie in the Sky, by and by. And we'll figure out why that is not valid for us as believers. Um, Last episode, I ended up with... um, an explanation about leaven in the bible which of course leaven means yeast uh that it is a metaphor for teaching jesus told his disciples to beware the leaven of the pharisees and he meant beware the teaching of the pharisees it it is spelled out there um but uh so in that particular context it's a negative thing uh however um, there's also a scripture about uh, or a parable we could say about a woman who mixed leaven into about 60 pounds of flour until it filled the all of the dough. That's a lot of flour. Look at this. This is women teaching or a woman teaching. In the process of feeding her family, her teaching, her influence is substantial, filling 60 pounds of flour. Isn't that awesome? Okay, now, uh oh, we're going into a little obstacle. Passover is the feast of unleavened bread. Oh, unleavened. Well, if leaven means teaching, then unleavened must mean untaught. How can that be? Uh, If you look back at the first Passover, when the Israelites were rescued from Egypt under the leadership of Moses, They were told to make unleavened bread because they were going to be leaving in a hurry and uh, wouldn't have time to rise. And in Passover, the Passover feast, even today in the Seder, um, unleavened bread is eaten. In fact, it's a, a very big process for Jewish families to remove the leaven from their homes um before the passover feast so hmm what does passover mean what is it a metaphor for we know that they had to paint the put the lamb's blood on the doorposts of the of the houses so that the angel of death would know to pass over For us today, we might say that that means being born again uh, however, um Christian jargon and lingo has gotten to be so misunderstood and um, misused that i I don't like using you know these familiar phrases because they might mean something totally different to you than they do to me. So let me just uh, see if I can explain this. Passover, blood over the door uh, so that the angel of death will pass over. And we know by Jesus' blood, we are saved from death. That means that at the moment you choose to believe, Your spirit is saved from death right then. At that moment, you enter eternal life. As um, I've heard a friend and, and fellow teacher who's now passed away, Bill Oliver, he used to say, the gospel is a revealed truth. Not a taught truth. When the gospel is revealed to you, you choose to believe it, you enter eternal life at that moment. Now, what happens because of that is that uh, you will start to see your own sin. You'll start to understand um, the dishonesty that you have in your life. Um, And as um, the Apostle Peter says in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, you must work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And it is the the presence of eternal life in your spirit that even makes that possible. The teaching of the Holy Spirit, the opening of your eyes to the truth, that's what happens with the entry of God's spirit into your spirit. Well, what do we have to do to work out our own salvation? I thought, you know, Jesus died for that and all. Well, yes, he did, and we would not have a prayer Without that sacrifice, that sacrifice satisfied the universal law that sin, that the wages of death is sin. Sin leads to death. Okay, so how can we um, combat sin in our own lives as God reveals it to us? We're given, uh, in the Bible, we're given many just straight out uh, instruction what we need to do. Um, And and it's all over the place. And may I just say right here that I am not interested here in doing your Bible study for you or um, doing your Bible reading for you. God wants you to come to him. He wants you to be able to hear him. And um, you need to be in the word of God every day, just reading, reading, reading to find out what it says. Then once you've got it uh, into your heart, into your mind and into your heart, then he can bring it back to your remembrance when you need it. But, but that's that's your job. Read the Bible um, and approach it as God's Word. Read it to see what it says. Okay, so here's some of the instruction from the Bible for us to combat sin and to work out our own salvation. Um, Sermon on the Mount is where a lot of these things are. Um We are told to take our thoughts captive to the knowledge of Christ. This is an eternal, um, nonstop activity. Well, not eternal, because we're going to be out of this body someday, and we won't need to do it anymore then. But every time you notice that you are having negative thoughts or sinful thoughts, or evil thoughts, you capture that thought and you bring it into the knowledge of Christ. Um, Peter says that that works to pulling down strongholds. You know, your inner man, in your heart. I've talked about this before in previous episodes. how from the time that we are born, we start constructing. Um, walls and edifices uh, to help us process information um, and everyone 's is different but uh, without um, without the knowledge of God, these um, fabrications that we use just to cope with life um, they become. Uh, Our captors, we are in bondage to them. We can't get, for one thing, because we don't really recognize that they're there. Once you enter eternal life, you're going to start recognizing those things. And you have to immediately, this is a whole establishment of a new habitual life. Take your thoughts captive. Pull down strongholds and bring them into submission to Christ. Okay, now how does that work out in exactly what we do? Okay, if you find yourself cursing, you stop and you bless instead. Do it vocally, out loud. You want the enemy to hear that you are taking control of your environment, of your atmosphere. You are taking control. Bless. Don't curse. I always think, uh, for some reason for me, uh, this is just like really noticeable when driving in traffic. <laughs> and um many, many, uh, you know, Um, opportunities to curse, but I have begun to think of myself as um, someone who brings peace to the highway. When I'm driving, uh, you know, in traffic or whatever, I bless the other drivers. I pray for them to have peace. I pray for God to uh, protect them. And, and their families and their children, just that kind of thing. Uh, praying out loud like that does a lot to banish Satan from your airspace. Another thing is pray for your enemies. Do you have enemies? I do. I do. and you pray for them. Pray for God to have mercy. On us and on them. And here's something even a little bit more specific. Return good for evil. Y'all, I will let you know that if you start trying to implement this in your life, there are going to be miracles happening. I've seen it in my own life. Return good for evil. Okay, so there we have four things that we can do to start working out our salvation and to start implementing and utilizing eternal life right now. Okay, um, so the spirit that is saved when you invite Jesus to take control of your life. You know, um, God does not want your commitment. He wants your surrender. I got that from Andy Stanley. God, He's not, he's not interested in your commitment. He wants your surrender. And man, he helps you so much. He, you know, it's like all he wants is a, is a glance in his direction, and he will come to you and help you. When he knows that you are set and determined that you're going to obey him, he will give you everything you need to make that happen. Um, uh, Your spirit that is saved, when God's spirit enters in, that's also called uh, your inner man or uh, it's, it's called your heart. That's where your conscience is. And it's also your secret place, you know, that place in your mind that nobody else knows about, you know, that's that's got that continual little conversation going on Uh, when you get in bed at night and everything's quiet or even during the day as you're driving or going about your business, your spirit is carrying on um, a conversation. If anybody else um, heard it, it probably wouldn't make sense to them because it's so um, personal, you know, and so intimately woven into things that have happened or things that we believe. Um, We have our own way of communicating there. The only person who can enter your secret place is the Holy Spirit. And he knows your secret language already. And he can communicate with you and lead you into communion with God wherever you are. You can go to that secret place wherever you are. No matter what's happening, you can go to that secret place and have communion with God. Okay, Um, about um, studying the scriptures. And this is actually going back to the leaven of the Pharisees that the disciples were warned against. Um, Leaven is teaching, remember. Okay, Jesus told the Pharisees, you study the scriptures because you think that in them you gain eternal life, but you refuse to come to me when these very scriptures testify about me. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible. And, and this is hard to wrap your mind around, but, uh, but believe it. Um, the, when Jesus was conceived and born, he, and he lived and was performed miracles, was, was executed on a stake, not a cross, to satisfy God's vengeance... You know, that thing about uh, it, it's a cro- it was a stake, not a cross, which I've covered in previous episodes. Um, think about this. This is a place where it makes a difference. What if Jesus didn't say, take up your staff and follow, take up your cross and follow me? He said, take up your staff and follow me. Okay, Jesus fulfilled every prophecy in the Old Testament. There are hundreds of them. He fulfilled the law. The different uh, Levitical regulations um, were completed in Jesus once and for all. do um, You know, Jesus... Told uh, his disciples, he said, "Not one jot or tittle will pass away from the law until I have fulfilled it." Jot and tittle—it's kind of like we would say uh, dot your eyes and cross your t's. Jot and tittle is like two—a dot and a and a line stroke—in um in Hebrew writing. And two um. Devout Hebrews, the calligraphy of the Hebrew language has power in itself. They believe that the formation of the letters is powerful in itself and uh, and must be done with the greatest care. So the law is fulfilled by Jesus and um, especially the three feasts that God ordained. Each one is an object lesson, uh, a visual enactment of Jesus and who he is, what he has done and is doing for us. The three feasts that God ordained are Passover, where the Passover meal is called a Seder. Fifty days later, there's the Pentecost. And after that is the Feast of Tabernacles. Um, I would encourage you to just do a little bit of investigation into those three ordained feasts. And see what God can show you. You know what? God did not uh, command us to um, celebrate Christmas. He commanded us to celebrate Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacle. Those are the three festival days that he commanded for all humans to celebrate. Okay. Okay. Eternal life starts now. Get into your Bible and let God speak to you. Obey the Holy Spirit. He will help you. And find God in your secret place. Okay, we're going to stop there for today, and I would like to uh, remind y'all that if you have any um, comments or questions or feedback of any kind, please communicate with me at docrand, D-O-C-R-A-N-D, at icloud.com. God's love be with you all.